Welcome to A Waldorf Journey, a podcast for teachers, parents, students, and people who are passionate about Waldorf education. I'm Meredith, and I'm glad you're here. You can find show notes for this episode, along with a lot more useful content on my website, awaldorfjourney.com. While you're there, sign up for the newsletter to receive updates about the new content on the blog and the podcast. You can also follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as A Waldorf Journey. This week, I'm coming to you with some quick thoughts about being a Waldorf teacher in the spring and some of the tasks that occupy our attention during this very busy time of year. It's more than just the everyday teaching, and it's really easy to feel like you're forgetting about something. So here's what every Waldorf teacher should be thinking about this spring. everybody. I am so glad that you are here with me to listen to this podcast this week. Um, I'm really excited to talk with you about these spring tasks that Waldorf teachers face because it's completely right where my head is at the moment. And I really like these episodes where I just kind of hop on and talk a little bit about what's going on for me these days. And I think if you are a Waldorf teacher, that you're probably thinking about a lot of the same things. And so it could feel good to hear that someone else is also thinking about all this stuff. So I'm hoping that this is going to be one of those shorter episodes where I just chat with you a little bit. But I don't know. There's a lot to think about, so maybe I'll I'll do my best to keep it short. So if you want to read more about what I talk about in this podcast, you can find show notes at awaldorfjourney.com slash 37. And uh, you'll see all the show notes there. And um, and then also, if you go to the blog post that I wrote, I posted a I wrote a blog post just last week with some similar content to what I'm going to be talking about today. And in that uh, blog post, there is a link to an end of year report video. I put together just a little kind of webinar style video that goes through uh, writing end of year reports and what you need to think about. So if you want to learn a little bit more about writing those end of year reports, that's a really great resource. So you can head over to that at, um, well, I will just link it in the show notes because the the URL is a little bit uh, tricky. So, um, so anyway, I'll link to it in the show notes, but I really recommend checking out that video. I think you'll get a lot out of it. And then the other thing I haven't mentioned in a little while is that um, I belong to Patreon. And so if you are looking for a way to support the podcast that is maybe beyond the... Um, the review that you might leave or a star rating that you might leave on iTunes, then um, you can head over to a waldorfjourney.com slash Patreon, and that will forward you over to Patreon. And you can just make a little donation. Whatever makes sense for you is completely fine. And um, I really appreciate it. I don't really do anything special for patrons. I know that some people do that, um, but I don't. So if you are just in 
inspired to support the podcast, you can head over there and just leave either a one-time or a monthly donation, and it is much appreciated. So let's go ahead and start. I have six things. That's the title of the blog post I wrote last week. Six things every Waldorf teacher should be thinking about right now. So Let's just go through them. And um, thing number one is professional development. So um, a lot of us need to be thinking about the what we're going to be doing this summer for professional development. And I actually wrote a blog post a few weeks ago really all about the different options that there are for professional development because I'm a big fan of really taking a look at what is going on with your teaching and using those observations to decide what kind of professional development you should do. And there are are a lot of choices out there. I know that um, very often there, the, like the standard is what's called the Art of Teaching Conference, and that's really great if you are going into a grade that you've never taught before. And it's kind of you know, what we need to do as Waldorf teachers who move up through the grades following our students. Many of us each year entering a grade that we've never taught before, and so it makes a lot of sense to attend a training that is all about that grade and the curriculum that's specific to that grade, what the child development uh, mood is, and all of those things. So it makes a lot of sense in many ways to attend the Art of Teaching conferences. But I think that too many times teachers just sign up for those without really asking themselves if that is the best thing for them. So like, for example, if you are someone who really loves putting together curriculum, then maybe that's not the kind of program for you because you really like that aspect and you really like to learn about the new curriculum for the year, you'll probably do that pretty naturally on your own. You don't need to go to a training where they're going to basically give you what the year's curriculum should be. Um, at the same time, also, if you are, let's say, a parent and you've had several of your own children that have gone through the stage of development that you're about to teach, then you probably don't need a lot of training in that stage of development. Maybe you have a pretty good understanding of what children of that age are going through. So anyway, my I guess my, my point is to really think and consider carefully what kind of training you should go to. And the best way to do that is to just take a good objective look at your teaching. And so I really recommend going through a self-reflection process and really looking at your teaching and what are the aspects of your teaching that you would really like to improve? What aspects of your teaching do you think you are really strong at? And to really ask yourself those questions before deciding what kind of professional development you're going to do. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy that we don't do it this way, that we don't really ask ourselves about what kind of training we need. So for example, I, a few years ago, really made it my mission to improve my classroom management. I just really felt like that was an area of my teaching that I was just kind of always scrambling with and trying to figure out and giving a lot of conscious attention to as the year went on, but I never attended a training. And you know what? There are lots of really great classroom management trainings out there. I don't know why I didn't think about doing one of them before. So 
So that's my big thing about professional development. Really look at your teaching. What does it make sense for you to look at and 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 engage in when you're doing your your training this summer. So so that's the first thing you should be thinking about, which that's a big thing to do a lot of self-reflection and consideration of your teaching in order to decide on a professional development choice. I mean, I get it. That it it's a big ask, but it makes a lot of sense to really go into it consciously and with a lot of intention. So so that's that. So thing number 2 then is student assessment. Now, okay. <laughs> Talk about a big thing. If doing some or choosing your professional development and going through a self-reflection process is a big thing to think about, student assessment is even bigger. And I actually um I've been working on this course. I created a course that, and I've talked about it before. You've probably uh, heard me mention this spring productivity course for Waldorf teachers. And which I should say, when this episode comes out, enrollment in that course will be open for just one more week. So if you're interested, actually the course begins in just a week from when this podcast is released. So if you're interested, you should definitely sign up quickly. It's um, You can do that by going to awaldorfjourney.com slash spring, and that will take you through the process. You can see all the details about the course. So um, anyway, I've been working through this course that I created. You know, I'm not, that's one of the best things about doing this work is that not only am I the creator of the course and the leader and the guide in the course, I'm also a participant. So I really get a really good inside look about how all of these things work and what you really need to be thinking about. So I've been working through the student assessment component of my spring productivity course, and there is so much involved in this. And I remember like when I first began teaching, I really relied on my intuition about my students' progress. And when I sat down to write reports, writing is something I really like to do and words kind of come easily to me. And so I felt confident about just writing those reports based on my informal reflections and observations of my students. And it wasn't until I had been teaching for a little while that I realized that I needed to use more objective data in in writing those reports and that that I you know I had a pretty good sense and so I probably was was using good observations when I was writing those reports but the when I got you know really deliberate about what I was assessing the skills I was looking for and when I really very um, intentionally observed to see if my students had achieved those skills or where they were in terms of achieving those skills, my reports just, one, they got so much easier to write. And two, I felt so much more confident that the information that I was sharing with parents in my end of year report was accurate and really pertained to their child. And that that those reports could really be used in a way that would help to uh, develop skills later on in the following year. Like I could pull out that report, look at it where they were at the end of the year, and then use that as a guide for where to go next. So 
I really can't stress enough the importance of assessing students in a very deliberate way. And so there's a whole process that you have to go through. You have to look at what are the benchmarks, what are the skills that you're that that are should be achieved by the end of the grade that you're teaching. Uh, how do you measure those skills? Um, how can you do that in you know looking at the calendar in the time that you have remaining in the year? What uh, how do students show that they have mastered those skills? And if they haven't, is there work that you can do in the balance of the year to? to catch them up or to get them to a place where they are meeting the benchmark that you had hoped for. So lots of work to do around that. And it's good, solid work, but it, it does take a lot of our attention. So, um, so the next thing is working through individualized learning plans. Now, this is something that I'm really passionate about because if you do all of that work to assess your students and see where they are and you've got it written down and you're very clearly communicating with yourself and objectively communicating with yourself and with parents about where students are in their development and in their skills. When all of that work is done, you are so in tune with where your students are and what they still need to learn and when they are having a, like a barrier, when there's some challenge to them learning the skill that's at hand, that it makes absolute sense to, to go right into thinking about how to help students who need a little extra support. And in fact, I can't tell you how many times I have written a student report, done all of that observation at the end of the year, and then I'm writing notes to myself and putting them in random places where I hope I'll remember in the fall about ideas for how to support that student next year. And, you know, it is one of the blessings of being a Waldorf teacher is that very often, most of the time, the students that you had in the spring are the ones that you're going to have again in the fall. So any work you do in the spring is really going to just help you be ready for the fall and give you kind of a leg up so that you can hit the ground running and really work on developing those skills. So so it's a, an excellent idea to, after you've done all this work about finding what, where they are in terms of their skills, what they still need to work on, and then of course, it's going to jump up at you, those students who need extra help. Sit down right then and there and write a plan for how that student will be supported in the fall. And of course, you know, you have to be open to the growth that will happen over the summer. Certainly that happens. Of course, when students go away for the summer, they grow and they learn. It's a good amount of time that they're away. And when they come back in the fall, they are going to be different. And so you have to be open to reflecting on those plans that you may have written, those support plans. But you, but to have them already in place is, is a huge benefit. So it's definitely something you should be thinking about in the fall. And it can it will also help your class parents, the parents of those students who need a little extra help. One, they can be thinking about the help that they can provide for their students over the summer. And two, it will help them have so much more confidence in the work that you are doing with their children. So that, I mean, to come at them now with a plan for what needs to happen 
over the summer and into the fall is hugely confidence inspiring. So definitely take a look at that. Look at those students who need extra help. Because if you have to share something a little bit hard with the parents about the progress of their child, far better that you do so in the context of, okay, we're working on this thing. And here's what we're going to do to make it to, to work through it. So if you come at them with a plan that, yes, this is a challenge, we know it, and here's what we're going to do, they'll feel so much better and they will feel like they can hear it, that they can hear, okay, yes, I know my child has a plan, but I feel better because my child's teacher knows what it is and or has a challenge. And I know my child's teacher knows what that challenge is and has a plan for how to work through it. So um, that is, yes, working through individualized learning plans. Um, Next, oh my goodness, talk about time consuming. And this is spring parent teacher conferences. So um, at our school, we do not have a practice of an expectation of spring parent teacher conferences. We have a time earlier in the year in November when it's on the calendar. We have a few days off school and that's when our parent teacher conferences happen. Um, The trouble is that there are times when you need to share information between or with those families uh, before the end of your report comes out. Because a really wise teacher told me one time to never share anything in the end of your report that is new news. That if you have to say anything, especially anything that might be a little challenging for the parents to hear, that you need to share it in person first. And that the end of the year report should never have any big surprises. And so that reason alone is a big reason to have a practice of offering parent-teacher conferences. Now, depending on the year and what else is happening for your students that year, you might want to offer those conferences to every family. Uh, If your and that is the case for my class this year for example we um our school has a practice of doing the second grade developmental assessments and those are assessments that I want to go over with the parents and they'll certainly have questions about them too and so it's important that we take time to meet uh, in second grade. And most second grade teachers at my school have offered these spring conferences to go over those assessments. Now, um, other years, though, things kind of settle in and you everybody knows what to expect. Maybe you've, you're already working with parents, if, especially if, those, if there's a child who's on a, a student support plan that, you know, you're probably already meeting with those parents pretty regularly. But other families, you've, you met with them in the fall. You're on the same page. You know, there are informal communications that happen throughout the year. So maybe you don't need to offer a parent-teacher conference to every family. But really think about and get clear on those families that maybe just need a little extra uh, touch from you. That they really, that for you to meet with families that, if their students are struggling or if there's something that you something difficult that you have to share in the end of your report, those are families that you should be meeting with in the spring. Um, 
But as I said, maybe others you don't need to. So, so it's, it is hard to find time in the spring to meet with families. Um, but it's definitely worth it. And, um, yeah, something you should give your attention to this spring. Um, and then next, the fifth thing that every Waldorf teacher should be thinking about is writing reports. And I, every teacher I've talked to has already been thinking about writing reports. And um, I know that when I first started teaching, I the spring was just so busy that I, I couldn't really even think about writing reports until school got out. And I was lucky that um, because, well, what ended up happening was I felt like when the end of year came, I didn't really have the information I needed to write those end of year reports. And so I quickly sent a message to all the parents and told them I was going to hold on to the students' work and that they could collect it in the summer. And luckily, they were all really supportive and it worked out and it was fine, but uh, since then, I've just had this attitude that I really want to, one, gather that information ahead of time, and two, think through what my repo- reports are going to look like ahead of time. If I think through that now, and I know what the format's going to be, I know how much of each different topic I'll need to write about, um, whether I'm going to use a rubric or a a narrative report, all of those things. If I think that through now and I have a really clear picture of what the report is going to look like, then I can make sure that I have all the information I need to do that. And um, I know lots of teachers who plan on having their end of year reports done on the last day of school. And I have never done that. Um, And, you know, and I don't feel bad about that. I think it's okay to take some time for reflection in the summer to do that and to write those reports. But um, to do a little bit of work ahead of time. It shouldn't be kind of this thing that's going to happen way off in the future. And so now to I'm thinking now about what my reports are going to look like and the information that is going to be in them. So I'll just mention again, if you want to think a little bit more about the end of your report and you're really thinking about it, hop over to the blog post that goes along with this episode and, um, there will be a link to that end of year report video that I put together and yeah, you might find it helpful. So, um, and then finally planning the summer, I don't know about you, but my family already, everybody's talking about when the breaks are and when the trips are happening and when the summer training is happening and, and all of those things. And, um, There have been plenty of summers that have gotten away from me and where I felt like either I was too far on the school prep side and I felt like I didn't get a break or I was too far on the break side and I didn't get as much prep done as I wanted. So um, I've realized the last few years that if I go into the summer with a really clear plan about how I'm going to prepare, then I get both. And I do. So a couple of years I tried, I just mapped out, I did, I prepared a block each week. And that pretty much was, I think I planned maybe six or seven blocks that way. And that was good. I got a lot done, but I found 
that was one of the years that I felt like I didn't get enough free time. And that was because I never took a complete break from it. So I really recommend that whatever you do, that you do decide to at least take a week, maybe two, completely away where you don't think about school, not even prep. And then you come back and you know, you'll be more productive for having done that. So, so anyway, but whatever it is that you do, you sit down and you make a plan for the summer so you can have a good balance of summer free time and prep prep time time for the new school year. So, so anyway, those are the six things that every Waldorf teacher should be thinking about. And as you can guess, these are the six topics that are in my spring productivity for Waldorf teachers uh, course. So if you, like I said at the beginning, there's just it, that course starts one week from when this podcast is being released. So if you are at all interested, you should click through and just go to a waldorfjourney.com slash spring, and you can get more information about the course, what the dates are, how the, what the format is like, all of that you can get by following that link. And I, I've actually had a few people ask me, email me lately asking if it is a good course for homeschoolers. And if you're in that situation and you're wondering if it is, if it would give valuable information for homeschoolers, um, send me an email, meredith at a waldorfjourney.com because I wrote a response to somebody that really goes through the course step by step, detailing like what aspects of it would be helpful for a homeschooler and, you know, what aspects are really more centered uh, around the class teacher's experience. All of my work generally comes at approaches Waldorf education from the teachers, the classroom teachers experience, just because that's been my experience. But, um, Plenty of homeschoolers have gotten valuable uh, experiences out of some of my things, too. So I can share some of that with you via email if you are wondering. So again, email me at Meredith, M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H, at awaldorfjourney.com, and I can fill you in about that. So, okay, that's all. I did manage to have a short episode this week. So I hope you got a lot out of this. And if you have any questions, reach out to me um, and check out the blog post that goes along with this uh, episode at awaldorfjourney.com slash 37. And um, yeah, you can get more information again about that end of your report video by following the link. So Uh, Have an excellent couple of weeks, and I will come back to you soon. Hey, everyone. I hope you found plenty of valuable inspiration in this episode. If so, I hope you'll consider sharing this podcast with friends, grandparents, colleagues, and others. You all are the reason I do this, and I'd love to help and inspire as many people as possible. I hope you'll also come find me on Instagram and send me a DM or tag me with your inspiring Waldorf posts. You can find me on there as at a Waldorf journey. I love getting tagged and I always answer my direct messages. And if you haven't already done so, head over to iTunes and leave a review or a star rating. That's how more people find the podcast. And I really love reading your comments. 
So until next time, I hope your days are filled with imagination, inspiration, and intuition as you help bring Waldorf education to life in a fulfilling, joyful, and beautiful way. Bye for now.